What is up, everyone, and welcome to episode 472 of Combo's Court. Quick intro today, no outro. We're talking playoffs and more with Jason Timpf of the Volumes Hoops Tonight. Just a fantastic conversation with Jason. Can't wait for you all to hear it. You could catch Jason on Twitter at underscore Jason L. T, you know you can find me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Luca, don't do it to him. One and only. Welcome back to Combos Court, man. How you feeling? Dude, it's good to see you. It's the first time talking in the playoffs, I think, right? Most definitely. Most definitely. The playoffs have been fun. I had this uh, tweet that um, it got some backlash, Jason. It got some backlash, especially when I repurposed On it. On Twitter? But... No way. I don't believe you. It's crazy. The Twitter backlash <laughs> wasn't that bad, but I, rep- I repurposed it for Instagram, and then uh, people were at me, man. So um, with Katie and Steph being... They didn't even make their conference uh, finals, right? So I repurposed this tweet I had back in late 2022, and I reposted it now. Here it is, because I want you to react. I want you to react, Jason. Katie and Steph haven't regressed in terms of their individual ability. The league is just evolving at a rapid pace, and what they do doesn't move the needle quite as much as it used to. Your thoughts? Oh, man. Um so I've been, I remember in the 2021 playoff run, um, when Phoenix made it as far as they did, I started to think, cause if you remember in the 2022 season, Phoenix really dominated the regular season. They were the number one overall seed. I think they won like 65 games. And on my show, I kept talking about how I wonder if the NBA is heading into a different era, an era where superstar, so to speak, talent is less valuable than down the roster talent. and then. Uh, the Suns ran into Luka Doncic, got absolutely destroyed, right? And then that Celtics team, which kind of also was lacking a true superstar but had a ton of talent, ran into that Warriors team and lost, uh, crumbled under the pressure and the aura of Steph Curry. So I think both concepts are right. I think that I think that you need superstar talent to succeed in the NBA playoffs, but you also need down the roster talent like you truly do need depth of talent especially when it comes to these finesse oriented players like what you just described to me and Kevin Durant and Steph Curry are two players that Kevin Durant had always had otherworldly defensive potential and I would argue every season he's had a, a good team it's been he's been at least good on that end but he's never been like the earth shattering defense and rebounding talent that he was capable of being right I don't think that's a coincidence that you're seeing a lot of these other superstars that are very good at the dirty work guys like Giannis guys like Jokic really really thriving um, in the NBA right now because they just fill so many of those boxes so with the KD exit it really was this simple to me like they had like six dudes in the rotation who are low level bench NBA players And we look at the Lakers and it's like between Rui Hachimura and Dennis Schroeder and Austin Reeves and D'Angelo Russell and Jared Vanderbilt, LeBron James, they they got like seven, at least starter level NBA players. The Warriors had six. If you counted 
uh, their starting group and Jordan Poole. If, if the Nuggets right now, like their starting five is all legitimate NBA starter level talent. So I think I think it's less about what Steph and Katie are capable of doing as ceiling raisers. And just the reality is as the league has changed that you just need a depth of talent these days that in a way that you need, maybe didn't need as much in the past. Depth of talent and continuity, because I feel like a lot of the star players just aren't staying in the same spot. So those other teams that might not have those guys that are moving around that are wor- all worldly. I mean, obviously Steph stayed there forever, but you know, that matters that that matters just continuity. I a hundred percent agree at, at the, I think that, I think that there's one trump card for continuity, and that's basketball IQ. I think that that's the unique reason why the Lakers have gelled together so quickly is uh, Austin, D'Lo, LeBron, and AD are all just super smart basketball players. Same with Dennis Schroeder. And, you know, I, I actually, I'm curious to hear your opinion on this. Uh, the Rui Hachimura story is kind of uh, very much a a classic NBA storyline, like lottery pick, goes to a bad team has moments, doesn't really reach his full potential. Then like towards the end of that rookie contract, they start to kind of remove him from the rotation as the franchise basically decides that they busted on this pick. And then the guy gets traded to another team and kind of gets like a reboot, right? I, I've i heard from the people who cover the Lakers that Rui has been super engaged and has been like, has been like, LeBron, what do I need to do to help? Like, Oh, you need me to rebound and defend? All right, fine. Like, I'll do that. Like, I, I wonder if the the one of the big advantages of having a, a star, the type of player that LeBron is, is he just commands so much respect that he can demand things from these guys that in another locker room they'd feel beneath they would feel his work that's beneath them. Do you think do you think that LeBron has played any role in the resurgence of guys like Rui Hachimura, D'Angelo Russell, even a little bit? Like, what do you think? Yeah, I think he's always done this. Like, he's done it with J.R. Smith. He's done it with a lot of other guys. I mean, I know there's this thing where it's hard to play with LeBron, but I do think he makes those around him better, and he puts people in the right place. When it comes to Rui, man, he has a lot of a pe- potential, in my opinion. Like, on d- defensively, he'll never be Kawhi, but on offense, like, sometimes he really shows some Kawhi flashes. I genuinely feel like those little mid-range pull-up jump shots he's taking are going in every time. Like, when I'm watching the game, I'll have to pull up the numbers later, but I'm sure he's shooting over 50% in the postseason on mid-range pull-up jump shots. The big thing with him is he's got a much higher center. Like, Kawhi, underrated thing with Kawhi is his legs are so damn strong. And so, as strong as he is in his upper body, he actually has a pretty low center of gravity, which makes him very difficult to screen. It makes him very difficult to bump off of his spots. Uh, It's actually one of the big keys I'm looking at in this Nuggets series is they have another team similar to Golden State that tries to run a lot of players off of screens, right? So with Golden State, you're constantly running Steph, Clay, and Jordan Poole off of screens. And that was a big part of why uh, Rui Hachimura couldn't play as much, especially after they went small and stopped playing the two bigs. And so it really only made sense to play Rui when LeBron was off the floor so he could kind of take a LeBron-type defensive assignment. That's going to be a similar issue in this Nugget series, in my opinion, because Michael Porter Jr., Contavious Caldwell-Pope, and Jamal Murray are all off-screen players, and they're going to be running those actions all game long. And so whenever LeBron James and Anthony Davis are out on the floor taking the Jokic and uh, Gordon matchups, there just won't be a good defensive matchup for Ruby Hachimura. That's been a 
Because he just struggles with screen navigation. He's just so damn big. He's so damn top heavy that you can screen him relatively well and get separation. And so that's actually one of the things I put in my series preview as a uh, kind of like a turning point of this series is, are the Lakers actually going to be able to play their forwards? Because when they're not on the floor, they don't rebound well. You saw them when they went small against the Warriors in game six. They gave up, what, 12 offensive rebounds in the first half? So that yeah. that's kind of the conundrum. I'd call that it's a it's a versatile approach that you can kind of throw curveballs when you need to. But that's the one issue with the Lakers roster right now is a lot of their role players are one dimensional. But let's stay on this Lakers Nugget series and more specifically Jokic Davis. What are you anticipating with this matchup? So to me, everything comes down to Anthony Davis's ability to slow down Nikola Jokic. Um, basically, the push and pull being if we can avoid hard double teaming and kind of keep a more traditional shell drill with him, where like maybe one pass away, we're digging down or a stunting, that kind of thing, but we don't have to hard double. And then in the pick and roll, if they can guard it two on two, um, it's a little bit different than the warriors. Cause Anthony Davis, like had to be up at the level of the screen on every single play. And I think that uh, like, like Steph is the kind of guy that like, if he's got a dude draped over his backside, he's just going to lean forward and shoot a three. If he thinks he's got enough space. Right. And, I don't think Jamal Murray's nearly that level of shooter. Uh, as much as I do respect Jamal Murray, and he's producing at an extremely high level in this postseason run, they're, the guards for the Lakers are, like, are going to have an easier task. Like, yeah, you want to chase over the top of the screen and funnel, but at the same time, it's like if you're a second late, it's not like, oh, he's popping from 26 feet with you draped on his backside. No, like you just have to continue to pursue because Jamal's going to – Jamal also, I'm, I'm not sure if you've noticed this, but he's a guy that, like, especially when he gets over the top of screens and pick and roll, he almost likes to kind of pull out to the side and take, like, a step back. He, he loves those, like, step backs and turnarounds. He's very much like – he likes to use that rhythm move to set up his pull-up jump shot. I think that actually buys the Lakers guard some time, which allows AD to sit back. And if AD can sit back and if he can bother Jokic enough, turn those 70% floaters into 45% floaters, I think that goes a long way. Because on the other end of the floor, I mean, I'm sure you would agree – I think the Lakers are going to have an easier time scoring on the Nuggets than they did on either of their last two opponents. Yeah, I mean, that's how they're going to have to beat them with physicality, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Gordon makes a ton of sense on LeBron, right? Yes. See, he's Because yes. he's huge. He, he, he's one of those guys, and I compare it to Wiggins in this way, he's not only a star in his role, and I know the Warriors just lost, but those guys are like superstars in their role. Oh, absolutely. And... Like Andrew Wiggins, as good of a defensive player as he is, and, and legitimate, like that dude just erased Luka Doncic and Jason Tatum in back-to-back series last year, and LeBron like killed him over the course of the tail end of that series. And but a big part of that is like like as big and strong as Luka is, uh, Luka just doesn't have that relentless LeBron. Like I'm just gonna literally back you down to the post every single time, you know, type of thing going on. Um, actually, I have a quick question for you. I think LeBron, I've had a, gotten an argument with my production staff about this earlier in the year, and they thought I was crazy, but I think I've been vindicated. Do you think LeBron's a better player than Luka Doncic right now? I mean, it, come on, combo, just do it. Yeah, but like <laughs> LeBron, well, I think his one game peak is higher than Luca's, like the way he could affect one game over the course of time in a regular season. It's obviously Luca, right? And I do also think LeBron has, especially at this point, a way better supporting cast. For sure. But let's, uh, uh, is Luca capable of doing the things that LeBron James did defensively and on the glass so far through two rounds? No. I mean, you're getting Colin Coward did this on his show yesterday and I was listening and, and I thought it was super interesting. He's like, when you when you compare LeBron James to his peak, yeah, it looks like he's massively declined. But like 
he, if you look at his production and it's like, okay, you're getting 24, 10, and so I can't remember the exact numbers, but yeah, he's and, up and that doesn't, damn that, good stats. that doesn't even tell the whole story, those stats. Ex- exactly. Especially yeah. when you factor in like that's, that's 24, blah, 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 whatever, while he's coasting. But right. like in multiple stretches of this postseason, when he's needed, think about game four against Memphis. They're down one on the final possession. They lose that game. They go back to Memphis 2 2, probably drop game five. Like, they, they could the fundamentally the series is different. I think the Lakers probably find a way to win that one no matter what. But like it would have been a much different series. Maybe you have more wear and tear, which hurts you in the in the Warriors series. He just hit the Jets and beat Xavier Tillman and then finished over the D- defense player of the year and then took over OT and then went back to chilling for the next couple games, you know. But then like it, that game six performance against the Warriors, it's very clear that he knows he can get to that level. But anyway, as far as the Nuggets goes, um, what's interesting to me is it's the Anthony Davis defensive matchup. Uh, or excuse me, I should say the Jokic defensive matchup on AD okay. that I think opens things up for the Lakers on offense. So first of all, Anthony Davis can beat him with quickness. Like Anthony Davis has always had success with slow-footed bigs as a scorer. He's, that's why he killed Kevon Looney, but struggled with Draymond Green, right? He's always struggled with stronger, quicker, lower center of gravity players that get up underneath it. Like a PJ right? Tucker type. Exactly. Like a PJ yeah. Tucker is the type of guy yeah. that I throw at Anthony Davis in a heartbeat. Right. And, and so you're going to be able to do some ISO and post stuff uh, with AD against Jokic, but most importantly in their pick and roll coverage, they're going to do, I, w- I went back and watched a bunch of film yesterday. They they're going to run a very similar pick and roll coverage to what they did against Phoenix. So if you remember against Phoenix, it's, it's Jokic up at the level. And then there it's like hardcore shell drill. Like they're packing the paint and challenging Devin Booker and KD as passers to make the skip pass across the court, which both of them struggle with. And uh, the thing is, is when I went back and looked at the, the Laker film, it's very similar coverage. The difference is, is on the weak side, it's like Patrick Beverly. And like, mm-hmm. and, and like, right. uh, uh, you know, Troy Brown Jr. standing on the weak side. So like, those are shots you're willing to give up. A lot of those are going to be Dane D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves in this series, but I expect Denver to guard it the same. It just means that LeBron's going to have to pick them apart with the pass and, uh, Aaron Gordon. And this is actually a really interesting part in the way that they covered him this season. Aaron went over screens. So like when Jokic would come up and set Aaron's chasing LeBron over the top. And so what that means is you're basically gift wrapping dribble penetration as part of the coverage. And and LeBron early in the year, it was kind of annoying watching the tape because LeBron was so bad to start this year <laughs> like because he was just coasting through the season. But like I actually think he's going to be able to do a lot of damage to the Nuggets and pick and roll with those skip passes to shooters. Like this, this to me could look a lot like a vintage late 2010s LeBron series from the standpoint of playmaking. So my prediction, I actually think I contradict myself because I've been saying for a while now that Denver is the best team in basketball, but just watching LeBron show that he could still get to that level when he wants to, and then AD being healthy, I think they could actually defy the odds. And I know Lakers at seven doesn't sound right because you also have to defy the altitude if you do that right in game seven in Denver. Um, I got I, I got Lakers at seven, man. That's I, like... And I know that definitely contradicts what I said in the past, but with LeBron showing what he did in this past series, especially in that last game, I just can't bet against Bron. It's it's really this simple to me. Like I have the utmost respect for Jokic, and I yes. do believe he's I do believe he's capable of being the best player in this series. And if he is significantly the best player in the series, so like if he very much outplays LeBron and AD, then I think the Nuggets win. 
but I just don't, I, I, I think, I think you're going to leave this series thinking all three of those guys are awesome. I think you're going to think, man, the Lakers have LeBron and AD and Jokic was incredible, but man, you've got LeBron and AD and how much of a gap is there really between Austin Reeves and Jamal Murray? Jamal Murray is better. No doubt. He's a better player. But Austin Reeves is a high pick and roll ball handler that can hit pull up jump shots. If you go underneath the screen, he can hit the three, he can hit the mid rangers, he can get to the line, he can uh, play. He's actually a better playmaker out of high pick and roll than Jamal Murray. He's actually arguably the Lakers' second best playmaker behind LeBron James. He he's going to give you 18, 19 points a game in this series on a super high true shooting percentage, and he's and he competes defensively just as well as Jamal Murray. So again, Jamal's better, but. The uh, everyone went into that Warrior series, and it's like, oh, Clay Thompson, oh, Jordan Poole. Austin was better than both of those dudes, just straight up outplayed both of those dudes head to head in that series. Like, I think that as long as LeBron and AD play at a similar level that they've been playing at in this postseason so far, you can definitively state that the Lakers have more top end talent. Now we go down the roster. With the with the Nuggets, you got KCP, very good player, Aaron Gordon, very good player, Jamal Murray, very good player. Um, Obviously, on the bench, Christian Brown. It's basically they're just playing three guys right now. They're playing Christian Brown, Bruce Brown, and Jeff Green off the bench. Like we, like we, we we can't overlook. I mean, talent wise, I see what you say. We can't overlook, and I think you're in agreement with me that the chemistry just—it's like a compound effect with those guys. Like they fit so well with Jokic. Of course, no, and I'm, yeah. I'm not trying to undercut that, but I also yeah. think the Lakers have outstanding basketball chemistry. Yeah. Um, I guess what I'm saying is, is like everything. If Jokic dominates the matchup, the Nuggets win. And it's completely on the table. Like, for the record, Jokic soundly outplayed both Devin Booker and Kevin Durant last round. So, 100%. like, so, 100%. like, like to me, to me, you know what's funny is, like, and I'm, I, I, this is why I like talking basketball with you, Combo, because I think you kind of see it similar to me. Like, we understand the tactical side. We, uh, uh, we like to talk about it and we'll talk about coverages and we'll talk about matchups and all this different stuff. But, like, we're, ba- we're basketball purists at the core. And, and one of the things that that means to me is like, at the end of the day, through sheer force of will and talent, the star matchups do end up dictating more than just about anything else. Like yeah. every game, every game in that last round that I thought Anthony Davis was the best player on the floor, the Lakers won, except for game six when LeBron was the best player on the floor. And it's like you watch a you watch a random, you know, game five in Memphis, and it's like, oh, like Desmond Bain and John Morant killed them. And LeBron and AD were kind of so so. It's like it, everything kind of comes down to can your stars win their matchup? And like, if Jokic just, if Jokic just buries AD under the rim, like just buries him. And by the way, I've seen enough footage to know that he's capable of doing it. AD's got his freaking hands full in this, in this series. If he does that, it's over because then they're going to have to send the kitchen sink at him, which means they're going to get all these wide open catch and shoot shots for guys. Same thing goes on the other end of the floor. If Aaron Gordon contains LeBron James, to a certain extent, and Yoke and AD can't get enough damage done to Jokic, and they're able to stay home off the ball, and none of the players really have a good series because LeBron and AD didn't play well enough. Like that's what swings these things at the end of the day, even more than any tactical thing. Yeah, I mean, look, AD's not known as the toughest guy in the world, but he probably is the best defensive big in basketball. And with Aiden, I don't know if you saw this. I mean, you're a hooper. I feel like Aiden, like. He like likes Jokic too much. Like there's not enough anger there. Like he even before, like I just saw the way he looked at him. He's like, he's just in his eyes. I can see, yeah, this guy Jokic, such a nice guy. I like the way he plays. Like that's what I was reading it all of it. He's just Ada just seems too nice to me. 
Well, they had a. They must have had like a really good conversation after the 2021 series that they played each other, because yeah. there because there was this weird thing before the series where both guys were like in the press conference talking about how much they respect the other guy, and I'm, I'm like, oh, like you guys definitely became buddy buddy in that series. And Jokic <laughs> is a straight killer, like you oh, know, yeah. like, like like he could shut that part of it off and just like I'm gonna kill you now. The Aiton thing though is funny to me because like this has been one of my long-standing theories. Like I think it's possible to love basketball but to not hate losing. Does that make people, sense? Pe- so people, well, people are saying that about KD now. Yeah, and and I don't. I'm not saying I agree with that. I'm just that's what people. are I'm saying. not saying I agree with it either. Um, that said, like, like. I do believe that guys like Steph and LeBron do hate losing more than KD hates losing. Hmm. Doesn't mean KD doesn't feel that way. I just think that when it comes to the savage competitiveness, I think LeBron and Steph are another level above where KD is. But with Aiton, like I think that's the thing. Like you don't get as good as he. Think about how many big guys we've seen in in the league that don't have the skill set that Aiton does. Like it's clear that he has put in work. So it's clear that he loves basketball uh, or enjoys playing it to a certain extent. And it's clear that. Obviously, uh, he has a money motivation. I mean, he straight up told us that in his in his pressers when he was getting recruited or when he was getting drafted. But like the bottom line is, is that dude like there's a visceral competitiveness. And I know you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like you ever get get into a um, you're a bigger wing. You ever get into a, a matchup with a guy who's like pl- like really playing physical basketball? So I'll, I'll give you an example. I've I've been playing a lot against Michael Dickerson lately, and so he's a uh, Former NBA player played uh, on the University of Arizona team that won the national title. And uh, I think he played, played like 200 NBA games, averaged like 15 points per game. And then I think he had a pretty bad injury. It was like a groin injury or something that took him out of the league. But like, he's my size, but he's about 45 years old and and just an absolute, like an absolute, the one of the craziest strong dudes I've ever played against. Yeah. And a master of manipulation of leverage and, and body position and stuff. And like, I leave the gym feeling like I got my, my butt kicked physically. Like, I feel like I'm beat to heck after just because of, just because of how physical he plays. But what I love about it is like, it draws a response out of me where I want to fight him back. And like, and and like, that's, and to me, that's hard. It is basketball, but it's a different kind of basketball. It's not basketball in its purest form. Like, Oh, I'm working on my ball handling and my shooting. No, no, no. To me, that's basketball in the purest form of winning. If I don't keep this dude off the glass and if I don't fight him off of these spots on the floor, he's going to win. And yeah. so I have to do these things. And like, and, and I, that to me is what drives, uh, uh, drives like that next level for every basketball player is like you, you have to hate losing more than anything having to do with the actual game itself, because it's, it, I'll never forget. I was watching the, I was literally watching the other day, RJ Barrett doing his warm up for game six and he's knocking down all these threes in the corner. And then he hits five in a row and he kind of like claps his hands and he's like, I'm ready. And I remember literally sitting on the couch watching. I'm like, dude, you ain't going to get a ton of wide open catch and shoot threes in this game. Like this is about to be a damn war and you're going to have dudes hanging on your arms and pulling on your Jersey. Like this is not going to be a pretty basketball game. This is going to be a war. Like it, like, and that to me, like that to me is what I love about NBA playoff basketball is it's winning at all costs and, and it even transcends the game at some points. So yeah, one thought before I want to ask you a double question before we get out of here, but one thought, you know who that perfectly describes Jimmy Butler? Like he's going to wear, yeah, man. He's gonna, Hell and yeah. I, I, I've talked, I've talked about this with people like, 
you don't you don't realize there we go you don't realize how much that guy would wear on you like just think about guarding that guy over the course of a playoff series dude it, like that that to me is my the entire theory of the Jimmy Butler experience is his game is explicitly catered for this setting and and then when he gets into the regular season a lot of those things just don't impact winning as much um but yeah dude i think i think that i think that muscle mass in general too is another thing that i've noticed has mattered a ton as we get into the nba playoffs i don't think it's a coincidence that lebron goes up a level i don't think it's a coincidence that if you go back like it's steph curry in 2020 or 2022 He's the outlier, right? But he's probably the best small perimeter player in the history of the NBA. Like, I think he is. If you less than 6'5", best player in NBA history. Go back, it's like Giannis, a brute of a basketball player who thrives in the physicality. LeBron, finals MVP in 2020. Brute of a basketball player that thrives in the physicality. 2019, Kawhi, probably the strongest wing in the league that's not named LeBron James, right? Mm-hmm. And then you go back to those super stacks, uh, uh, you know, Golden State teams that had Kevin Durant on them. And then uh, it's LeBron again. You have that 2015 Warriors team with Steph Curry again. And then it's like Kawhi Leonard, just incredibly strong physical specimen of a man. Then LeBron, then LeBron. Like you get the point. Like that, that to me, I don't think it's coincidence. It's the, it is, it is a contact sport that becomes more about contact than anything as it drags further into the postseason run. And, and those are the kinds of guys that thrive. Okay. Last two things. Double question for you. First of all, this one will be the first one will be quick. Your official Denver Lakers prediction. And then is the Warriors dynasty over? So I have the Lakers in six. I think it'll follow a similar cadence. I'm picking them to win tonight. The Lake, I don't think it's a coincidence that the previous six games have, uh, or series have followed not just the same win loss pattern, but the same dynamic. Like game ones were both close in both series. Game two, they basically punted both series. Game three, they blew them out both series. Game four, super close at the end. Uh, game five, they basically punt. Game six, they win in dominating fashion. To me, that is a great indicator of the fact that the Lakers know they have a defensive punch and an effort punch that they can throw. And then they're all about navigating the length of the series, just trying to like conserve energy. And so I, th- I think it, I think we're going to get a very similar type of dynamic. I think that the Lakers are going to throw their very best punch tonight. And obviously if they lose, then that changes the entire dynamic. They'll have to bring that same punch again in game two. But like, I, I think the Lakers are going to be going for it in game one tonight. I'm picking them in six. Um, I do not think the Warriors dynasty is over. I think Steph Curry is uh, at the very least at the same level as the best players in the world. I'll do my player rankings after the season, but he's not going to be any lower than probably two or three. So um, if you have the best player, one of the best players in the world, um, I think they're going to bring Draymond back. Andrew Wiggins, great three and D player. I think you turn around and you uh, uh, basically try to package Jordan Poole and someone like a Jonathan Kaminga in some draft compensation to try to bring back. I'd, I'd be going after someone like OG Ananobi. <clears throat> A lot of but teams most should, a, a lot of teams should <laughs> absolutely, but yeah. like what to me what they need is they need a different type of scoring threat. So a scoring threat that's not just a pull up jump shooter, but one that is more of a power player inside. And OG brings a little bit of that. Um, although I have some nitpicky things with OG Ananobi and his base and him getting knocked off. It's a whole bunch of stuff. But like, and then I also think they need a real like it's time for them to have a six eleven dude that can jump that's not nineteen. You know what I mean? Like they need they need a grown man vertical spacing threat you know, that can, that can bring uh, rim protection, contested rebounding and, uh, and vertical spacing threat in, in, uh, in pick and roll, I think, but I do not think this is over. They have the assets. I mean, the money stuff gets complicated 
and I'm sure that'll get tricky, but like you would just be, it would be a disservice to the basketball world to let Steph Curry's end of prime go to waste, in my opinion. Fair enough. Jason, great stuff. You're always welcome back on the show. Where can we find you? Social media and everywhere else. So you guys can follow me on Twitter at underscore Jason LT. And then my show Hoops Tonight is on the Volumes YouTube channel, as well as wherever you get podcasts under the show name Hoops Tonight. Thanks, Combo, dude. It was great to see you again, man. I'm looking forward to next time. Anytime. We could talk basketball all day. Let it get it done again soon. Hell yeah, man. See you next time. Later, bro.